Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very first episode of the Pick and Pod podcast. I am your host, Harry Lowes Jr. Uh, with this podcast, I hope to bring you a variety of entertaining NBA discussion uh, with various NBA personalities. And today we are joined and thrilled to have Utah Jazz point guard Shelvin Mack is our first honorary guest. Shelvin, how's it going today? I'm going real good. Just finish out with a workout, trying to you know, get home, relax with the, with the baby, and just you know, watch the TV. Is that uh, basically how it's been going all summer, man? How's the, how's the summer been going so far? Um, the summer's been great. Been doing a lot of traveling, um, especially getting back to Lexington, Kentucky, seeing my family, all those guys, and just working out, just trying to get ready, ready for this upcoming year. I feel like we can do some, some big things out there in Utah. Things are looking good for you guys. Now, let's let's kind of go back and, uh, you know, kind of get to know you here a little bit. You were a uh, 34th overall pick in the 2011 draft. Uh, you spent some time in the D-League, and you went through a number of 10-day contracts with the Sixers and the Hawks. What was that period like for you? What were your ups like? What were your downs like if you had, you know, one or the other? And what kind of helped you get through that time? I mean, it, was a, it was a great time in the tough time. You know, it was a great time getting drafted. Um, you know, playing that whole first year throughout the lockout. You know, it's tough dealing with the lockout because we never knew when we were going to start playing. So, you know, I came in during the lockout year. But it was great being able to play every single night. And, then, you know, the second year came around. Um, John Wall got hurt, and they felt like I wasn't ready to be, you know, a caliber starting point guard at that time. Um, so they had to make some decisions and decided to let me go. You know, it was like one of the hardest things I had to deal with in my life, you know, being cut from your dream. Then, you no know, regroup, uh, took some time, went to the D-League, you know, was able to get some extra reps, get my game together. And then, you know, I was in the D-League, kept getting opportunities from, with, like you said, the 76ers. Uh, actually went back to the Wizards for for two ten days, so that was uh, but that was great. Just continue to grind. Then you know, the Hawks gave me an opportunity, and it kind of felt felt great. You know, I was able to sign two ten days and sign a three year deal with those guys, and just continue to work hard every day. You know, just uh, just had the mindset that I believed I was an NBA player, and I was able to you know strive and kept working, and I was able to you know get that done. And, uh, you know, you really had some great times with the Hawks. Um, you had a kind of a breakout year for yourself in 2013-14. What changed for you that year, and what was it about Atlanta that clicked? Was it the coaching staff? Was it your teammates? Or was it just a boost of confidence that really helped get you going? i say all three of those things. You know, the most definitely the coaching staff. You know, they gave me an opportunity and felt comfortable with allowing me to, you know, play my game. And also just being, being around a great group of guys such as, you know, Paul, Al, Jeff, you know, Mike Scott. Damari, like Elvin, I can tell, name all the players. No, we still close to this day. You know, we had like a kind of a brotherhood. It was just, it just made you feel comfortable. You know, when you're on the court and you're comfortable, you're able to play at a high level. So that was, that was the biggest thing to help me get through that. And I always knew I could play. I just had to get the opportunity, and they provided me with the opportunity. Now, I got to ask you, what were those Uno games like? Did those ever get like extremely tense? Like you know, were <laughs> were there some fighting words going around? Did it ever get like that, or was it usually like pretty calm? Uh, it was very intense. I actually, me, uh, Mike Scott, Paul Millsap, and Demar, we we actually had our own kind of card game going on playing space. So I actually never played Uno. Oh, so you guys kind of branched off then? Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we played kind of the grown man's game okay. while they was playing the, the Uno. So then who who was uh, – I know uh, Kent Bazemore is big on the Uno, obviously, and Jeff Teague is, you know, notably on that side too. Who else was on the Uno side, and who was more so on the big boy side? Um, that's why our team was so great. It was pretty much, 
No, if you wasn't playing Spade, just playing Uno. So it's pretty much our whole team was playing Uno besides us four. Well, I really couldn't play the Uno because, you know, we had a lot of foreign players on the team that kept adding different rules in. So it's kind of hard to keep track of what was going on. That's why I just stuck to the Spade. You know, and there's a big contingent of Hawks fans who really had a gripe when they saw that Dwight Howard took the number eight because they said that is Shelvin Mack's number. And I'm not, I, and I don't necessarily disagree with them, man. We we enjoyed your time here in Atlanta, and I know uh, even though you know you didn't start, you you did have an impact on this community. Now moving forward to today, you know you're obviously with the Utah Jazz now. What's it like playing with your former college teammate Gordon Hayward, and uh, how did that affect you being in traded to Utah? Did that make things easier? And do you notice anything different about playing with Gordon now than when you did in college? Um, it definitely made it easier, especially, you know, Gordon being the star player on the team, someone I was familiar with. Um, you know, it's still the, still the same old Gordon doing the same things he loves to do, playing video games and just, just hanging out. But, uh, like I said, being comfortable with him made it, made it easier for me to have success on the court. I understand where he liked the ball at in certain situations or how he's going to react to certain things. And then also I was able to, you know, get on him when he's kind of messing up or he's able to get on me and wasn't taking the wrong way. So it, it made that transition very, very, very easy. Now, you said Gordon likes to play video games, man. What's his favorite video game? Is he a 2K guy, or is he more into the combat games? He's more a combat. I'm, I'm more of a sports guy, so we never play each other. So are you, you 2K? Know, yeah, I'm, I'm 2K and Madden. Definitely man. waiting for the new game to come out in the next few weeks. All right, so the Warriors are untouchable next year for 2K, right? Pretty much, but I think I, I, think I can probably find find something out you know I'll, I'll play a lot i'll find the glitches and all of that so i think i have a, a good chance of beating somebody with the warriors yeah i feel it man now another question here for you do you do you play with a chip on your shoulder i mean you're from lexington so i'm you know gonna assume that you know being in that community you, you grew up seeing the wildcats play you know you went to butler not the biggest school in indiana obviously you guys almost won two national titles. I mean, you couldn't get much closer than what you guys did. You went around the league for a while. So you've always kind of been the underdog, but at the same time, you've always succeeded in your roles. Um, do you kind of carry a chip on your shoulder, you know, as you play out there on the basketball court, or are you really just out there, you know, just free balling it and, you know, letting it fly? No, definitely definitely playing with a chip on your shoulder. You know, it's only 450 guys in the NBA, and you kind of have to do something that, that stands out and stick because if someone else is trying to come and get your job, I'm, I'm always aware that you know someone's trying to get my job, and yeah, also I'm trying to, like I said, trying to prove people wrong all the time. You know, a lot of people coming out of college didn't know if I was a, a point guard or if I was an undersized two. Just continue to just, just work, work, and work. Because basically, for me, nothing was kind of handed to me. You know, I second round draft pick, had to make the team, mm-hmm. then had to go through all those ten days. So I, I kind of had something that I was playing for for myself, just that you know, prove people wrong. Do you kind of feel that, you know, helps you as a player? Having gone through that, that kind of makes you mentally stronger than some guys that might not have had it as uh, hard as you did? Yeah, definitely. I think that's what's helping me succeed, you know, at this level. I'd have been through so many situations, you know, business-wise and even plan-wise that made me to the player I am today. And that just all come from, you know, having disappointment. With learning all these things, uh, surely you've had teammates along the way that have taught you some things that, you know, you might not have learned in high school or at Butler or with the Wizard Talks, Jazz, etc. Who are maybe, give me three guys who have helped you in different ways and in what ways did they impact you? Um, Elton Brand, for one. 
you know, he's been in the league 18, 20 years. Just showing showing me the way, you know, just being a professional, you know, coming in and working hard every day, especially when he was with Atlanta. You know, he wasn't really playing, but he still came in, worked hard every day, and, you know, it's the reason why he's still playing and can play next year. Just it's off his dedication, hard work. You know, sometimes it might be a night and sometimes it's not. You know, someone that's a former number one overall pick to get that, you know, shows you that that is is big time. Then Paul, Paul Mills, that's one of those guys. And, uh, and then DeMar, uh, more of Paul, you know, second round draft pick like I was. So he didn't, he didn't get anything handed to him. You know, undersized big man, just the hard work that, that a lot of guys put in that, that the general public doesn't get to see, you know, just taking care of your body, just like things that you think everyone's doing, but they're not doing. And, when those guys doing it and showing me the rope, just being able to be in a presence to understand, like, this is what you got to do to be the best player you can be. And then uh, I can go with Damari Curl or Cal Corbett. You know, this extreme professionals, just working on your craft every day. And just basically, I got one thing from all those guys. They treat everybody with with, with respect. And they're very humble. And just, you know, just enjoy your time. Now, another influence. Let's talk about your mom here for a minute. There was a story, I believe it was in 2014, that came out when uh, your mom benched you for getting a C back in, I believe it was middle school. Can you tell us about that time? Like, what was that that like for you? Can you set up that scene for us? What was Shelvin Mack coming home with a C, thinking he was going to play basketball that day or the next day, and mom says, no, you're not, because you've got to get better grades. What was that like? Uh, It was tough, especially, you know, you think a C is – a C's average, but you know she kind of instilled in me that you no, know, I don't want to be average. I want to be better than average, and you know this is unacceptable. And you know, from that day on, I kind of looked at everything that I try to do. And you can't be average. You want to be better than the next person. I think it's it's helped me out. Even when I go work out today, I don't want to just have an average workout. I want to do something that's different than someone else that can make me better. Transitioning here to your college coach Brad Stevens. He's obviously now with the Boston Celtics. Evan Turner was quoted in an ESPN article by Jackie McMullen telling him under his breath, well, Brad Stevens was telling Evan Turner under his breath that was a bull play. And I think in the NBA, you know, whether it's us media types or, you know, the average fan watching the game, it comes across to us that Brad Stevens is this very calm type of guy. He's not going to get in your face. He's, you know, very cool, calm, collected, but... Turner made it sound like, you know, although he doesn't put off that vibe, he's very quick to, you know, let you know what you've done wrong under his breath. And while he looks calm, what he's saying is not calm. Can you speak on that? Is that is there truth to that? Was he like that at Butler, or do you think he might have changed? Nah, he was definitely like that at Butler. You know, he's a competitive guy. You know, different people, you know, show their competitive spirits in different ways. You know, some guy might block a shot and yell, the other guy might block a shot and laugh, you know, or just block a shot and go about the next play. But he's, he's very competitive. And with Coach Stevens, it's like like some coaches will yell at you because they're so competitive and he'll do it on a more res- – I, I wouldn't say – it's not other coaches are disrespectful, just more in a respectful way that, you know, kind of gets your attention. And then he does a great job of knowing his players. You know, at Butler, you know, he could yell at Ryan um, a certain way to get his attention – and some other and some players, you know, you can't yell at them because you're not gonna get the best out of them. Is he more open with his criticisms at practice, or was uh, he yeah, and it, yeah, or in the game? You know, it's basically he got a. I feel like he has a great understanding of like 
pretty much, you know, say if a kid gets in trouble at the, you know, at the store, you know, his parents might yell him at the store or yell at him at the house when no one is watching. He does a great job of, you know, not trying to talk down on players in front of everyone. And, and I think that's what a lot of players are liking. And, you know, it gets the best out of him. Like, if you mess up, he might, like you said, tell you if his breath or bring you into his office and show you some film to, you know, get his point across. Compare him with Quinn Snyder here, because Snyder's definitely, um, he seems more outward about his, um, I guess he's more fiery on the bench, but kind of tell yeah, us yeah. about how perhaps the two personalities compare, because while Brad, I, I'm going to assume Quinn Snyder's very much competitor just as Brad Stevens is, but they definitely show it differently on the surface. Can you kind of compare how that is, and what what about that do you like about you seeing Coach Snyder? Although he's a little bit more fiery that you might not see out of Stevens. Yeah, he's like you said, he's more fiery than Coach Stevens, but that's just his personality. Um, pretty sure he's a fiery point guard when he played, yelling at all the bigs, and you know, this, this is something that he does. And everybody in Hawk, I mean, uh, everyone on the Jazz, you know, respect that and understand that. And then in certain, like I said, there's still certain situations that you now he'll talk to guys in certain different ways, but. I'll say Coach Stevens has has a great poker face. That's what makes him different than most most coaches. That's very interesting because I know um, there's there's so many different personalities with coaches around the league. I know Budenholzer is definitely a different type of guy. Snyder's a different type of guy. Stevens is a different type of guy, and it's just kind of interesting for me to see you know how all those different guys act. But you know, at the end of the day, this is the NBA, and everybody's very competitive. Obviously. What what do you like about uh, Salt Lake City? Because I know Utah, surely that's a different atmosphere compared to you know Washington or Atlanta. What kind of adjustments have you made out there? Are you are you living permanently out there, or um, are you still residing in Atlanta? Uh, I'm actually in Atlanta right now working out. Because uh, once I got traded, I never found a place. I was just living in a hotel the whole time, so I really didn't get to see too much of the city and all that. But basketball wise. It's been great. You know, the fans come out and support every single night. So that's the that's the biggest thing. Like you can see the the different fan bases and there's there's probably one of the best fan bases that that's probably in the in the NBA no matter when win or lose, they're gonna come out and support every single night. Who are the funniest guys on your team right now? The funniest guys on the team would probably be probably be Rudy. You no, know, Rudy Gobert. It's it's just uh you no, know, you he's so big you forget that he's you know, kinda kind of young still and still doing certain things you like come on man like <laughs> like we got suddenly he was playing pokemon go i'm like man what are you doing is that something you think we're going to see uh in the locker room next year or is, or is rudy going to retire pokemon for the season I, I hope he retires it for the season i can't have him you know come to my locker looking looking for different pokemon so you're stuff. not playing pokemon i'm not playing pokemon go is that something that you might be getting into <laughs> not at all Oh, man, come on now. That's a national phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, he's, he's from France, so I kind of get where, where he's coming from. So is is his humor basically just, is it more of a Rudy being Rudy thing, or is or is he into, you know, certain kinds of humor? Um, this, this Rudy being Rudy, he just do some, some goofy things every once in a while. Now, can you give us a personality trait of one of your teammates that people might not be aware of? Like, is there a guy on the team that you know, might be extra superstitious or a guy that's overly competitive. Can you give me something like that? Do we have a guy like that on the Utah Jazz right now? Yeah, you can, uh, you can say Gordon. Gordon's super competitive. He kind of has that that Brad Stevens kind of poker fights. You can't really tell what's bothering him or not, but 
you know, he's competitive deep down when it comes to, you know, wins and losses. So is he going to be the guy in the huddle when, you know, the team falls down 10 or 12 points, the defense might not be as sharp as it is, and is he is he going to be the guy that gets in everybody's face? Is that Gordon Hayward? Uh, he might not get in everyone's face, but he's going to, you know, voice his opinion and go about it, like, a, like, in a different way than I said, than, like, Coach Snyder compared to Coach Steven. So what is the outlook for the Jazz next season? How are, how are you feeling about the roster? It seems like you guys have made some good moves. Uh, last year was definitely a building year. And the team really took a step up when you came over from the Atlanta Hawks. Um, you were a more than welcome addition. It, it definitely appeared. I certainly thought you guys were going to make the playoffs. How do you guys improve off of last year? I think we should be way better than last year. You know, we, we kind of gained that experience. Kind of, we had like a playoff atmosphere like the last five, ten games of the season, just fighting for our lives every night. Then, you know, we lost some games that we feel like we should have won, but people. People, um, you know, the players understand, like, it's what we need to do different next year. Then also, you know, adding George Hill, you know, Joe Johnson, and um, and Boris Diaw, you know, those guys have been in all kind of playoff games. So just uh, the ex- experience alone should help us win a few more games this year. Then, you know, we're, we're very deep. I think a lot of, you know, all the great teams in the NBA now, you have to be great. Uh, you have to be very great and deep. You can't kind of hard to win in this league with seven players as yeah. you can see you know over the past few years a lot of teams that's win they they have a lot of options that they could go with on the court over the past five six years they won the nba championship or competed at very um at high level eastern conference finals and stuff like that and you guys were very competitive i mean even the games that you lost i mean you guys were in a lot of those and you really played the top of the western conference very well especially the Warriors. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'll have. To, I'd have to go back here and look at the scores, but I remember every time you know the Warriors and the Jazz matched up, you guys were giving them a fight, and that's got to really help your team's confidence, doesn't it? Knowing that you can go yeah. up against one of the best regular season uh, teams of all time. I mean, you guys were right there with them every single time. Yeah, but like it just it just comes down with learning. You know, so we kind of got that after the games, after we watched the games and watched the film. Like we're a few possessions away from from, from winning this game. You know, so we have, we have, you know, we have the confidence to play with them, but I feel like now it's time to make that next step that we don't miss an assignment or let Steph Curry hit a three that kind of costs us the game. So with that in mind, do you feel like the Jazz are going to be a playoff team next season? Uh, I definitely feel like we should, uh, we should be a playoff team. Um, I wouldn't say it any other way, and I think every guy on our team feel like we should be in the playoffs next year. Now, if anything were to derail that, what what do you think that might be? Just just simply injuries, because you know, as you mentioned, you guys added some good pieces this off season. We're clearly a contender last season as far as making it to the playoffs. I mean, what if anything would prevent that from happening? I say, like obviously injuries, but I feel like we've done a great job this year getting so deep. So hopefully, it wouldn't be too big of a drop off. Well, only thing I can see from stopping us getting to the playoffs is just. You know, just playing bad and not playing as a team. And I don't think – I think we got the kind of guys that, that that shouldn't happen. All right. I'm going to ask you a few uh, rapid-fire questions here to help us close out. Who is the funniest player in the NBA that you know? Not doesn't have to be on the Jazz, just in the league that you've, you know, maybe played with or heard of. Funniest player, Ellen Brand. Who is the best video game player in the NBA that you know? <laughs> Myself. And what makes you the best video game player? I got to follow up on that. What what makes you the best video game player? I say I'm, I'm the best sports video game player, and I I, just, I literally play every day. Do you really? It's, 
it's just something I do in my downtime. Are you a Xbox or a PlayStation type of guy? Um, Xbox One. I'm, I'm online if anybody want to challenge me at MacMan859. Okay, so now if anybody listening to this podcast ends up playing the Shelvin Mac, you have to tweet the podcast at Pick and Pod on Twitter. And if you beat this man, you have to let the world know because that's that is a very high uh, pedestal you're putting yourself on there, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I kind of like it, and if, if they can beat me, make sure make sure you tag me, and and I and I repost it, and that I lost. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Now, who is the nicest player in the NBA that you know that you've come across? The nicest um, that I've come across, I would say Al Horford. What makes Al Horford the nicest player you've come across? No, he's just a genuine, genuine guy. Especially, you know, to have all the things he's done in his career, you'd just be surprised at how genuine he actually cares. I can also name a few other players as well. Let's hear him. Go for it. Rashad Lewis. I played with Rashad Lewis um, a few times. Uh, Norris Cole. Um, LeBron's a very generous guy. Um, very nice. Pretty. I would say pretty much majority of the league are like, Everyone's pretty nice guys. Like it's kind of hard to get on someone's wrong side. You know, it's like a brotherhood once you're in the NBA. That definitely seems to be um, a different thing about the NBA. It seems to be much more of a brotherly culture than the NFL might be, or Major League Baseball. At least, at least from my perspective, would, uh, you would agree with that, correct? I would definitely agree. What do you do? You have an idea of why that might be? I mean, I know it's basketball is certainly different. It's it's hard to explain why. Um, but do you think you could help our listeners kind of understand why that is? Because um, we spend so much time together, especially like flying late nights, not spending so much time with your family. And then also, you know, a lot of guys see each other in the summer. Now, all time, pretty much everyone in the NBA ends up going to Vegas, supporting supporting one another. So you get to you know, hang out with different guys besides just on the basketball court. And I think that's what makes it more of a brotherhood. Now, before we get out of here, um, I understand you have a you have a basketball camp going on right now. Yeah, I have a basketball camp next week in Lexington, Kentucky, Monday through Wednesday at KBA. You know, just showing up, trying to help the kids learn the game of basketball and you know, show them that you, know, you can make it. I'm I'm a living result of that. So, uh, where where can people find the uh, information on that? Give us uh, give the listeners somewhere to uh, find out where they can attend Shelvin Max basketball camp. You can attend at playkba.com. You can register on there, or you can go to my Instagram, shell859, and you know, I have some more information on how to get involved and get in touch with the Flyers and my post. Shelvin, thanks for joining me on the first episode of the Pick and Pod podcast. I hope we can have you on again, uh, You know, perhaps become a friend of the podcast, and we wish the best for you in the upcoming season, my man. Yeah, sir, and uh, thanks. Appreciate you having me, and I hope we get to talk soon. All right, Shelvin. Thanks, man. Yeah.